0: Welcome to How to Win the Lottery Unadaptable Module Episode 5 Memory by Donald Westlake. Donald E. Westlake. Don E. Westlake. It's always weird when there's the additional
1: middle initial. You wanna like I I tend to drop it. Like it went like I'll say Hunter Thompson instead of Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, like I probably wouldn't say Donald E. Westlake, because it, it like the, the entire rhythm of the name is destroyed.
0: This is a book that was written, what, you say in the 60s, but only published like in the last 15 years? I think
1: it was written in the 60s, but it was published in 2010.
0: And part of the, I'm going to get it wrong, Hard Case Crime? Hard Case Crime. Hell yeah, I got it right.
1: Which I think, I think what Hard Case Crime is, I think, is, I think it was one guy, maybe two guys. Like an editor? And yeah, and like they saw an opportunity for a market, Mm -hmm. and they started buying up um, out of print, like old pulp paperbacks.
0: Like this is literal like Pulp Fiction yeah, literal, and, and and
1: so like you see on the covers, they have like the paintings that are like yeah. often have very little to do with the actual plot, but they're usually like sexy women, like using a sheet to cover themselves mm-hmm. while there's like a guy in a trench coat hand, holding a gun, right, or something like that. Like it's to give you this this um, sense of of uh, really like
0: danger, suspense.
1: Yeah, but it, but it's it's like. Especially now, because it's done in, like, such a self-conscious way. It's it's really to give you a sense of time, because those pulp covers sure. yeah, yeah, are, yeah, are, yeah. Are, are so specific to an era, right? And, and you know, a lot of these books that Hard Case Crime puts out are, like, they have modern novels. They have, you know, new writers publishing books, but they'll still have these covers.
0: Because you said Stephen King's done, like, three of these or something, right? Like, he's done a yeah, handful of did,
1: them. Yeah, he uh, did The Colorado Kid. He did uh, one called Later. And he did... Maybe that's it. Maybe I feel like I bought
0: because I feel like these are the kind of books that, like, even though like back then is it like it's a nickel or whatever because it's like supposed to be disposable. Well, these are only like
1: six ninety nine. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very I, inexpensive, and I
0: think they go on sale even cheaper. So I think I probably picked up like a Stephen King's mm-hmm. like ninety nine cents, or it's like a Steve It's like this is a, a new novel. It's like yeah, because it looks like it's from the sixties. Yeah, whatever.
1: and you know that you like you. I, it is interesting because I actually don't think that it's true about this book, but like generally, you know what you're getting into when when you get these books, you're going to get like very like stylized dialogue mm-hmm. that is is like really quippy. You're going to get like a guy, like a, a a private detective who has like kind of a rough past interacting with a femme fatale type and um, you know, there there's like an anti authority sense to them. Very rarely are the are the heroes of these books cops. They're normally people like private detectives are people doing cops jobs outside of the, the like mm-hmm, jurisdiction mm-hmm. of being an actual police officer. Um, or they will be like a fixer for the mob or something like that. And this has like almost none of that. Almost none of it. It's, it's, it's like, it's put into the genre, I think cause it's Donald E Westlake who did. Thank you for including the initial. Who did, uh, you know, the Parker series and, and like a number of different detective novels. Like a lot of times, He's like a, a working author, which yeah. we, we still have. Uh, I, I would say like most of the quote unquote working authors that we have exist. Is he still alive? No, Donald Wesley.
0: That's I thought. Okay, is, okay. Is dead.
1: Um, but most of the working authors we have uh, write in like the mystery genre. Um, you have your like Heather Grahams, your your Daniel Steele.
0: Can I say every time I see Heather Grahams name, I'm like. I know, yeah. You're, you're yeah like, is are sure. Heather Graham. Good for her because she's written a lot of books. No, yeah, she's. And so she's I see her, her name like J- at like like, book sales a lot. Yeah, you know? J-
1: James Patterson mm-hmm. is ra- is yeah. writing this, and you have these guys uh, uh, from the fifties who were writing so much, right, that they would have four or five names because they
0: were like paid by like the the word usually, right? So they're just yeah, like well, it's they, like a volume. They're thing. they're
1: writing for like Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine and other things, and it's like they're these are guys that are treating, um, writing like as a vocation. They're like sitting down. Eight hours a day writing. They have by the end of three months, they have a novel written. They're going to put that novel with their publisher. It's going to come out, and so you have guys like I don't know. I don't know how many novels Donald Westlake has, but if you look like Mickey Spillaney or or like guys like that, like these are guys that were writing for forty years and have like two hundred and fifty novels. It's crazy, and it's just like you know Stephen King is kind of like that. Sure. Of, of all, and Heather Graham and Daniel Steele and James Patterson, but James Patterson, I think is like a factory, fun. like he's got other people writing his books and then he like comes in and puts his name on it with someone else. And after like, gotcha running through it, like editing it. But like, yeah, it's, it's like, I'm fascinated by this, by this genre. And I'm fascinated by crime fiction in general, because it does a lot of the work that um, we sort of have moved away from in writing Especially what? in literary fiction, which is like crime fiction is always like sh- – like it's always about structure,
0: right? And and we've gotten way far away from that. What was the book you had me read in the pre-podcast book list that was like a guy just trying to buy a gun? You know what I'm talking about? It was like a short – it became a movie. It was adapted into a movie.
1: Mm. It was just a guy trying to buy a gun? I don't
0: think that was – I think that's was just part of it. Was it was a
1: Hubert Selby Jr. book? No trying to – let me see if I can he's got it. He's
0: got a movie like that,
1: a book like that. Um, Just a guy trying to buy a gun. Who
0: is the guy who did – is it Warren Ellis? No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It could be Warren Ellis. Are you talking about Gun Machine? No, I think I'm confusing. I think I'm conflating this with Gun Machine. The funny story as I look this up I'm, – I'm not Googling. I'm in my Gmail, so it's it's legal. Um, The funny thing about this book in particular is that I – this was one that like I had sort of put out there – As one I wanted to do because I had bought it because it was becoming a Ryan Gosling movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then between the time that I bought it and we did it, Ryan Gosling dropped out. Yeah. And was replaced by Andre Holland. So, like, I think it's funny that, like, it's basically in this module specifically because I'm like, oh, a Ryan Gosling movie and then it's not. Yeah. But it's also, interestingly, going to be a Duke Johnson film who we've I don't think we've probably talked about we talked about Charlie Kaufman by name on here before. Right. But Duke like,
1: Johnson is the co-director of Anomalisa, and he was one of the animation guys on Moral Oral. And you told me right before we started rolling that he he did the Abed uh, claymation Christmas yes. episode of
0: Community. Yeah, so he's very talented. We don't know for sure that it's going to be live action. It would it would it would make sense to be live action because like it's so like you don't need to do this animated. Mm-hmm. But like he's an animation guy, so like it's weird that he's doing a live action thing. But also. In a certain way, it kind of makes sense that he's doing a live action thing that, like, we thought was going to be something else. You know what I mean? It's like a guy making a turn on a thing that did a turn. On a, it was just like this weird kind of, like, sure. we thought this was going to be crime. It's not really crime. We think he does animation. He's not doing animation, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not, on, you know, Henry Selick did Monkey Bone, right? That's live action. So it could be this, like, thing, like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what is so it's not about crime what is this book about yeah so uh
1: all of that stuff that i said about about hard case crime and about crime fiction in general and the stuff that i like about it is interesting cuz like i went in with such such specific expectations for this book and it subverted yeah. every single one of them yes. uh it's not a crime book no it doesn't have any of the stuff that i just talked about <laughs> It is uh, structured incredibly loosely.
0: It does have genre trappings, though. So, like, it's it it's, does. it's yeah. crime adjacent. It's yeah. just that, like, you're – like we talked about on the way to get food just now. It's like you keep waiting for it to be crime and it's, it never actually gets there. Yeah, it,
1: it faints at it, which is like this book did not get published initially. It didn't get published until 2010. And I think the reason probably why it didn't get published is because, like, anyone picking up a book that has Donald Westlake's name on it or where Donald Westlake is trying to get his books published is probably looking for that genre element that this book doesn't necessarily deliver on. It yeah. it, it hints at, but then it doesn't it doesn't deliver on it. But the story is uh, a guy named Paul Cole is a uh, not Paula Cole, if you if you know who that is. Um, I think she does the Dawson's Creek theme song. Oh,
0: okay, <laughs> sweet. Um, weird that she didn't also star in this book. <laughs> yeah. Um. He uh,
1: uh, he's a traveling actor. He's an, he's an actor with a troupe doing a, a like traveling production of a, of a of a play, and he is involved with someone's wife, and the the husband um, finds him and, and hits him in the head, and that causes him significant memory damage. And the book is essentially him dealing with rec- trying to recover from that initial injury the entire book is just him looking to looking to like gain some part of his old life back or if yep. not gain some like concrete version of himself that
0: he that he can like use to anchor himself to reality yes because it's like the first like two or three pages maybe right it's just it's the not a flashback but like it's the it's the foundation the groundwork and then the rest of it is just like i don't know who i am or where i'm from or where i'm going or anything about anything uh
1: and you get like all of these like sort of mysterious stranger tropes in there like he is uh like he's a military guy yeah and he it like you you get like this military guy who um is an actor uh gets stranded in this in this town um because obviously he can't continue with the acting troupe, they leave him behind at a hospital He recovers but once he recovers He doesn't have enough money to get out of the town So he has to take a job in that town so that he can Get enough money to go back to New York which is where mm-hmm. He knows his home is but he only knows That that's where his home is because it's located On his license right
0: The book was the friends of Eddie Coyle
1: oh yeah Okay yeah so he's a gun dealer
0: Yes right? that's yeah. what okay yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah That's a that's a fantastic book yeah I love That book yeah I just didn't remember the
0: name of it Or uh, what it was about but yeah. I love it yeah.
1: Anyway, well, it's sort of low level scumbag Massachusetts crime. Yeah, I
0: and mean, became I don't remember. If, did Maybe, I see it's the movie? A movie. It's a movie from the seventies, good I movie. I don't remember if I saw the movie. So you say you mentioned he recovers. He doesn't really ever recover because even at the very end. He doesn't have his memory back. And he actually gets worse and worse. He d- he does the opposite of recovering. Because in,
1: in the beginning, he can remember things for longer stretches. And then it just gets, it seems to get shorter and shorter yeah. as he goes on.
0: There was a point where the, a doctor gives him like a truth serum and like it seems to kind of help uh-huh. or at least he gets answers. I'm like, is this how he's going to like get out of it? He's going to use a bunch of truth serum and like at be asked pointed questions he's going to remember and like, no, it doesn't. No. It doesn't help him.
1: Yeah. So the first third or so of the novel, he's in this town in Ohio um which he only got to because he spent all of his money going as far east as he could go because he's trying for to get $7 or to whatever work. yeah and then when he's in this town he gets a place to stay he gets a job working at the tannery and he starts dating this girl named Edna um and i was expecting when i picked up this book i was expecting this sort of postmodern take on Reality, um, the ways in which like our memories are the things that construct us rather than like our actual day to day. Like we're only who we are because of who our past has made us, which I guess is, is part of it. But like what I wasn't expecting and, and what was like my primary focus for a large portion of this novel was like this Marxist read on like, you will never get out of debt, buddy. <laughs> like there is no, there's, and that's like the most stressful thing to me. Cause it's like every time he gets a little bit ahead, it's like, Oh no, but there's that, that's that was that loan had credit. Like you have to,
0: yeah. Well there is, so there's a point. So, okay. So one of the things it's going to, I'm going to say something completely different, but I'm gonna bring it back to where mm-hmm. you just were. Something that's very jarring and unsettling to me in this novel is there's time jumps between chapters. Yeah. And like you flash ahead, your and you're like, because like he meets Edna, and then like the next chapter is like, well, we've been dating for two weeks. It's like, okay, that's fine. But there's one time jump where just like, I've been here for months now, and I have seventeen dollars saved up. But just like, someone's stealing from you, man. Like, what is going on? And we never find out. Well, I mean,
1: it's it's because like he's he thinks. I mean, he's like, I need thirty dollars to get out of here. Immediately he goes into debt because he has to pay for the hotel that he's staying at with the little amount of money that he has. And then he he gets a job, but he won't get paid for a week. He won't get paid for a week, which we've all been there. We've Mm -hmm. all been in that circumstance where you start your job and you're just like, wait, I don't get paid until when? Yeah. And so that happens to him. And so he has to borrow money. And so that borrowed money comes with interest. So he has to pay this guy back uh, $4 for every three that he borrows. And that takes a long time for him to pay off. Mm -hmm. And so he's in this town. For way longer than than you would expect him to be. Because he's like, I'll be here for a week, two weeks tops. Right, because he calculates it by the hour. He's like, I make this much by the hour. And then when he gets his paycheck, he's like, okay, but then I'm also part of a union. So they're taking three bucks out of my right. thing. Uh, Withholding and all this different there's stuff. There's taxes, yeah. there's this, there's that, Um, and and all of this stuff that mm-hmm. he and, – and it's like you realize how not only disorienting – reality is mm-hmm. um but like how it, how impossible it would be to confront a new reality where you you didn't know that
0: there were all these tricks right and like you don't know if the people around you so there's a very obvious parallel between this and memento cuz both sure. have the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. protagonist leaving themselves notes that they don't understand and they're trying to feed context and they both have memory issues and whatever and the way that Memento is told, you think certain characters are evil and other characters are evil. And this, you never even get the satisfaction of knowing how it resolves. Like, you don't know if any of these people are, like, they might all be trying to screw them over. None of them might be. The evil never fully fleshes itself out. Right. Like, like, Artie Bellman is a
1: bad guy, but he's a bad guy insofar as, like, anyone who – just like a loan shark kind yeah, of guy, any right? kind of loan shark that's exploiting po- the poorest people for for whatever. But also, he plus. seems kind of
0: fair. I mean, he's not there, but when he eventually pays off with Ann Bellman, his mm-hmm. sister, like the IOU is is torn up and he gets a watch back. So like, they have like a system that like yeah. So who knows?
1: And then the cops are sinister, but yep. they're But they're sinister to the point where you're just like, oh okay. But like, when he kicks him out of town and like like he he. The cop in, in the initial town is like, get you got to get out of town. I'm going to yeah. take you to the bus station. You got to go. And he buys a ticket and he comes back and the cop's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. And the cop's like, what am I going to do? And he's like, all right, fine. I'm going to this town called Jeffords. And you're 100% with him because it's like we we are cynical about police officers mm-hmm. And and like you think like that's going to come back and, and get him somehow. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, like, n- like none of the dramatic
0: traps that are set up pay off at all. And then like weird at the end, like he, you know, because jumping ahead, spoiling the end, he tries to find his way back to Edna and can't because he goes back to the original town and doesn't know where to go from there. And no one really has any word. But He goes to the police station yeah. the, and, that, and that cop is actually helpful. And it's just oh, like, was it the same cop? No, I don't I think don't it, so. Not, it's not the same cop. No, because it goes
1: to the second town. But, like, you expect – you would expect it to be the same cop going, like, oh, you're – like, you expect that con- – right. that tension of that confrontation is built yeah. because it's been set – the the trap has been set in the very first yeah. act.
0: Because he goes back to, like, Deerville, the original town, and can't find anything. He goes back to the bus depot, and the woman's like, I remember you because you're the only person I've ever seen who got run out of town. She's like, I have no idea where you went, but you went – he's like, I, knew, I went somewhere towards New York, and he, like, starts going – And then in that second town where he's never been before, he talks to a cop there. So it's a brand new cop, brand new police. And the guy's just like, here, let me try to help you out. Yeah. And then he's just like, well, I guess this is where I live now. And like, I feel, so we were talking about adapting this because that's the the context with which we are covering it for this module. But, and we can talk about the adaptation and like specific things that will change. But I think- what frustrates me a little bit about the book, and I think it's it's kind of cool, but it's it's also kind of frustrating, is that like they tease so many he teases so many different things that like it could be about this, it could be about this, it could be about this, and kind of it's about nothing other yeah. than maybe sort of the grass is always greener. Like he's never mm-hmm. actually happy.
1: It's got something it's got something to do with identity being built on. Uh, something that's not innate but on on like the the construct of, of lived experience because you have things where he's like oh i don't like this music at all yeah like he has his his like when he gets back to his own house he's got
0: his record mm-hmm. collection and he's well, like there's a really good quote he's like story. i actually
1: don't like any of this music that i that i own
0: even before i knew how this shook out the scene in the book for me mm-hmm. and even more so when i know how it ends is the conversation between him and matt malloy the mr malloy yeah where he's just like look I could have married any number of girls. My life's the same. Like I could have gone away, come back. It doesn't matter. Like you just, you just make do. Like it just, you're you basically, it's like predestination. Everything is set. You're going to be like, it's so realistic and frustrating and depressing that I just like, the guy's like, I'm happy, but like I would have been happy in any situation. You know, it just, it doesn't yeah, you, matter. You like can't,
1: you can't torture yourself over, over, you know, what could have been because all you have is what is.
0: And there's no way that at the end, Paul remembers that conversation, right? But, but it reflects anyway. Yeah. yeah.
1: it's that, that that's what like
0: he has accurately rendered reality. If he was going to learn about himself, it included this music. He would have the record player going all the time until he found out why he had once liked this music. And it's just like, this is part of who I am. But he has like all these books. He's like, I can't read. Like, I, don't, I can't like everything about his past self. He just can't connect to. Like, there's nothing that's like, you're like, oh, something is going to be the clue. Like, that's going to be his way back in. And like, none of it is. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um something that was like I found accurate and and felt like very, very sad to me was um like that people are willing to help him mm-hmm. but to a point at which point they get frustrated with them yeah. and, and they're just like, ah enough. Like his friend Nick never comes back. Yeah. Right? You expect him to come back. It's like, oh, he's like that, he'll come back, like after that New Year's party. He'll come back, but then he just doesn't, right? Because it's like, that's not my friend anymore. He's, and his he's, agent he's,
0: will help him until he refuses to sleep with her or until he screws up, like, until he's no longer a, cash, a potential cash cow.
1: The stuff with her, um, like, her predatory... Uh, like, was she, like... Was she, like roofing or just getting him drunk no, no, like, i think she's just getting him drunk but i think like the the implication the entire time and his discomfort is is the idea that they're either going to sleep together or have slept together in the yeah. past like in a casting couch kind of way and she's like pressuring him like you owe i i have an investment in you you owe me you have not made me any money and 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 all this stuff and so he and she's getting him drunk right and she uh like knows that he like doesn't know anybody and it's like very like um there's something very sinister about all of that. And then he gets out of that situation. It doesn't like he, – no. he ends up not um, being well, a victim well, there. Well,
0: there, there is sort of kind of a beauty to his situation in that like everything is almost literally Teflon because like any, any grievances he has will just like fall away.
1: Right. Like long term, he's not going to remember the guy that yells at him at, when he fucks up with acting. Yeah. He's, you know, not going to remember that his acting teacher – is like a very, very sad person who has all of his hopes and dreams pinned on on him to succeed. Yeah. Um, so all the things that hurt him... He's not going to remember. And then eventually he just ends up at this new town and he's going to rebuild his life. Though maybe we, we get – I don't know if we get the sense that Edna is going to persist in his head or if- – It
0: seems like he can't forget Edna. He can't shake Edna. Yeah. That Even when he goes back, he finally gets back to New York at the end and it's like where he's been building. Like there is a payoff there that he does get back to New York. Like I, I think there's a version of this where he just never gets back to New York or something. Mm-hmm. But he gets back there like you were saying pretty early like after like a third of the novel and he can't like find anything to hook onto, hook into – but can't shake Edna or whoever Black Jack Flynn is or whatever this Charter Street address is or, like, whatever these things are. And I th- maybe it's... And there's the weird kind of disconnect where he's, like, the one time in my life that doesn't matter. But, like, to this memory, to this guy, is the only thing that he actually has. It's the only, thing he, the only Edna, thing he remembers. Edna
1: is, I think, the only positive thing that he's experienced in the entire time since his injury.
0: Yeah. Right? And the so- only one who doesn't, like begrudge him of anything or like talk down to him in any way or just like mm-hmm. accepts him for who he is because it seems like she's not damaged good but she seems like she's you know maybe a little bit more not as like trendy or i don't know how to describe you well know that, I, mean? I
1: mean there is a sense that it's like she's like a small town girl it's yeah like ohio versus new york city and he's but like even within ohio she seems kind of like sheltered she, right but he's been simplified yeah by by this so he, he's like more satisfied in the in Ohio than he is in New York where it's like there is um like constant external uh stimuli that's mm-hmm. like no good for him because he can't hold on to it anyway. So it's just like a bunch of like Charlie Brown adult voices in, in, in all directions at yeah. all times. And yeah. he can't like can't grasp anything.
0: Um But like even within the context of like the town of Jeffords, like she's like she's described as being not super attractive, not super smart, not super. That's just kind of like yeah. a girl. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, and that's like that's.
1: Yeah, but she's nice and she's, she's nice. and he gets along with her and, and he doesn't really get along with other people, uh, or not that he doesn't get along with them, but he doesn't connect with other people.
0: Yeah. Um, and who, who is going to portray this mousy, unlovable woman, uh, only the most beautiful actress to live, Gemma Chan. Wild casting.
1: Something, something that's interesting to me is uh, so, so when they're in Ohio and you have the structure being set up for an incredibly dramatic Crime novel, Um, because you have the police stop him in the middle of the night, and when he's walking home from work, which he gets out of work at midnight, the police stop him, they bring him in, and they sit there and they question him. Yeah. And they, they're they asking him all these questions. He doesn't know the answer to them. And then they bring him this uh, little steel panel, like a square, a square piece of steel that's like uh, stainless steel that's completely... Mm-hmm. And they're like... They give it to him. They're like, do you recognize this? And he looks at him and he's like, I, I don't. I can't. I have no idea what this is.
0: I also, as you know, have no memory. <laughs>
1: yeah. And they and they take, no, they don't know that. Pol- oh, right, the, right, the, right. The police right, don't right, know right, that. Right, 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 So he takes, he takes the thing back and, and the, the police take it back and they're like, okay, you can go. And they let him out. And then a couple times he gets startled by like a black car in the street that mm-hmm. he thinks is the police that are going to pick him up again. But he's haunted over and over again. By this this image of this um of this steel um panel, just this this like. like he dreams
0: about it. He sees it in things. He has these massive
1: nightmares about it. And so you think, or I think, when we're reading this, it's like, okay, this is going to pay off in some way because it's going to pay off as as like that he he did something and for he did something horrific and forgot about it. Like this steel thing was like a murder weapon he used to bludgeon someone to death, or right? and it's going to come back to yeah. him and. You know, this is like inhabiting his dreams in a really like Freudian way, right? It's, it's some sort of source of trauma or some source of something that's going to validate him and and it's going to unlock the key to everything. Eventually, he comes back to the, to the town. He goes up to a, a police officer and he asks the police officer about it, a different police officer. And, the, and well, the it's cop. a different town, but yeah, it's a different town. And the yeah. cop's just like, I had no idea. I have no idea. Oh, Wait. What it could be, what we do sometimes, is if we don't have anything to hold anybody on, we'll give them something like a glass or it sounds like what you may be talking about where you can just have someone's fingerprints and yeah. you can easily lift them. So this thing that is he thinks is the key to his identity, other people are also thinking of it as the key to his identity. True. Right? And it's like it, it's not actually – this symbol itself is meaningless, right? The sign – it's not. It's not signify. Like it. It is only what it signifies. It doesn't exist as a thing on its own.
0: Right? And we also don't even know. Like that might not even be what it is. Like it's probably what it is, but mm-hmm. it's still also another thing where it's like a sort of frustrating half answer. Yeah, but where it's like that's probably what it is, but we don't know for sure. The guy's just like, it might be this, and like we're like,
1: okay, yeah. So, but but like, what's interesting to me about it is that the thing, like, it only signifies interpretively. Right. Mm-hmm, the the, mm-hmm, thing, the mm-hmm. thing that it is itself is actually meaningless beyond like this search for right. identity, which he thought it was the key to. But it
0: turns out it's actually like a door block. Nah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. That that was almost a really nice metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> you, you backed out of it. You pivoted the right at the last second. But Yeah, it, I think that is not, or just because like you, you would think that if it was anything of real significance, I mean, he assumes it's of real significance because they're so serious about it. But like if it was something like it was like a murder weapon. They probably just wouldn't let him go. Like if they have the thing there, it'd be like, "Are right, they going to hold you overnight or whatever?" We're just like, "Okay, yeah." So like, if you think about it analytically in that regard or whatever, it's like maybe it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. No, but I think because we're
1: we're reading it in the sure. con- through no, the context sure. of hard case crime yes. and and there is this like atmospheric element noirish element to it. And we look at it and we go like okay, like, we know how these stories go. There's going to be something like this here, but then it it pivots and and, and shows you, like, it's actually the opposite of the thing that you think it is. It only creates, like, everything in this book, it only creates more mystery. It doesn't move you away from the mystery at all.
0: Was this, so I know it's been well-documented on this podcast that you like a non-ending, you like an ambiguous ending, you don't really necessarily want closure. Uh Uh-huh. Was basically an entire novel of that feeling <laughs> satisfying or frustrating or both? no, i I liked it a
1: lot. Um I yeah, I don't know because it's like I like I said, I expect sort of different things from genre books um like from from a crime novel, I expect like the thing that I like about it is like clockwork plot and, yeah. and I like all the pieces fitting together so that you can like so that there's like a very satisfying click into place.
0: do you think? I don't know how I exactly I want to ask this question, but if it, did you do you think you would have liked this novel more, less, or about the same if it wasn't part of a series that brought with it specific ideas? If you had just been recommended, hey, this is a pretty good book.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I, I think the same because okay. l- well, well, like an interesting thing is that like. Yeah, because it's it, it exists as part of a genre series, like then you think of it in terms of how it's subverting those ideas rather mm-hmm. than how it's like falling into those ideas and things like that. And once the subversions start, it gets very hard to predict what's going on. Like if this was a literary if – I, if I just bought this and I was like – because it was like nominated for the Man Booker Prize right. or something yeah, yeah. like that, I would be like – Okay, this is going to be a sort of meandering novel that, do, like, none of that stuff is going, like, I would know what to expect okay. from it. So, like, maybe it's good that it exists in this place where it's, like, you then don't know what to, what to what's coming.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably better. Let's talk about the adaptation, because I think that there's something in the adaptation that we've talked about a little bit via text, that we've not talked about in the episode, that is going to radically change. Or not. Or not, but... We talked about before Ryan Gosling attached drops out at some point replaced by Andre Holland Edna played by Gemma Chan. This book being set in the 1950s Ohio feels like it's filled with white people like race is so not an issue in here at all that I don't think anybody's ever like somebody's come up somebody's mentioned as like having a a, I think Edna might have like a or maybe Rita in here someone has like a milky white complexion but like that's like the closest we get to race. Yeah. To cast a black man as like an outsider in a Midwest town. Just
1: coming into this town, living in a house with this family that like, like moving in with them it feels like that's it it like w- interacting with the police in a way that like ultimately we uh, like feel sinister at the time because of his perspective but ultimately we realize isn't all that sinister it's just like them like you know being inquisitive as to who as to who he is like largely his wandering around and I think Meg said this, Meg said this to me in, in in a text message, which I was talking with her about it at the exact time that you texted me with this exact same okay. information. And she, she said something along the lines of like, like his wandering around town like this is largely a function of his white privilege. Yeah. Like that he's not getting like run out of town or put in prison. If this were a book like in 19, 1950s, uh, a black man just shows up at this small town in Ohio and is wandering around um, with no – I mean, he has identification with him, but he's like very cagey about past details of his life. He all, all these things. The cops are confronting him on the street at three in the morning. Like m- this novel would be mostly about him getting his ass kicked and him getting thrown in prison.
0: It feels like him being black. Is what the story becomes about. Like it's still about meditation. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it becomes a, a, a movie about race, about a black man in 1950s rural Ohio. Yeah. Who has amnesia or, as the doctor says, what happened to you is concussion. Yeah. Not you have a concussion, but what happened is concussion. Did they not know about concussions back then? I don't know. Maybe they didn't. I highlight this because I, <laughs> you've become concussion. I don't know if anything is going to help. What has happened to you is something called concussion. <laughs> I can't tell you. No one can tell you if the condition is going to improve at all yeah. or if so, when. Yeah. It's like how in Moby Dick.
1: <laughs> like, have you read Moby Dick? Maybe in high school or maybe not. There's something so funny in Moby Dick where they're like, I know two things about whales. Number one is that whales are fish. Number two is that nobody knows anything
0: about whales. And it's like, one of those two things is not even correct. Or, well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) But it almost like the second point proves the first point. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it becomes a story about... Like it's also it's also weird then to cast an Asian woman, yeah, who's also like forty. Uh, well, the, the, uh, that's I, a separate I,
1: issue. I have, I have a yeah, the age thing is a much like feels like it's harder to get past for me than the race because what might be happening here, and this was part of the discussion that I was having as well. It might just be race blind casting, mm-hmm.
0: which which is also why I was like, is this animated? Because like it would it would kind of just maybe I I I don't think that it is animated. Um, I don't think so either, but like that
1: would, that would. It also, and I think this is something that we can, we can consider.
0: It might not take place in the fifties. IMDb says in the fifties. It does. Okay. So the adaptation is called The Actor, which right. I think is a much better title. It is than Memory, yeah. I think without knowing what the novel's about, I think The Actor is a terrible title. But once you read it, you're like, oh, that's actually a much better title. But the IMDb says. Well, also because let's, let's, let's like just explore that a little
1: bit because like acting is largely a feat of memory. It's also stepping into different identities, which like this guy as someone who has no identity is like trying and failing
0: to do. Well, also I think everyone defines this person as an actor. Mm-hmm. He, Oh, you're the actor. Yeah. Oh, when he goes back to New York, it's like, you're my cash cow actor. You're my one student who can become an actor. You're this. And he's just like, I'm an actor. This is what I, I need to do this because this is who I am. And so I think the define, I mean, he's also, I mean, it works on a bunch of different levels, but I think just like literally- People, like, not only is he just stepping into things like you're saying, but he's literally defined as this one thing, which he no longer is. Yeah. We never actually see him. We see him as uh, an adulterist, as is described by the cops. Yeah. And then a guy with no with no memory who, by definition, can no longer, because they're, like, the one thing an actor has, right, is memory. Yeah.
1: And has now to become someone who takes great pleasure and pride in, in physical labor.
0: Yeah. Is, like, someone
1: who enjoys being a mover. He enjoys working in the tannery. Got a
0: very end of office space vibe to that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, this is something that I think
1: about all the time. Cause I was like, you know, I didn't, when I worked on loading trucks, I was like not happy for a lot of reasons, but it was like the work was fine. I I, I, I liked like the idea of like going to work. You knew what you were doing every day. You, you didn't take your work home with you at all. It was exhausting. So you could sleep at the end of the day. No problem. Um, and you would stay in shape, right? There was like, all of those things were great versus like, now what I do is like almost entirely in my head. There's no physical aspect to it. I take all my work home with me all the time and there's, which means that there's no break from it, but also I'm not exhausted from that necessarily.
0: And those thoughts keep me awake at night. Right. Like, I think one of the, like, I love my, I, I would say that I love my current job. I love the situation that I'm in, working my boss, get along well, all that different stuff. But one of my – like I really also loved working at Best Buy because it's just like I get to talk to people all day and I don't bring any of that home from – like yeah. the same exact thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's not physical labor but it's just like – this is the thing that like even if I wanted to try to sell computers from home, I could – it's just like the different – like you leave it at the office, go to office, and you're done. And I think here it's just like – I think he likes it because it fills the time yeah. but also because – you don't need to remember it, right? Like you just, you just go do the thing. People can tell you, you just, it's a very. Yeah. There's something manual, repetitive task about it. Something that hit me
1: about, about this, this book was like when he does have his apartment in New York, he does a lot of cleaning and like, that's his routine. And he's very grateful whenever something comes up to get him out of the house, because it's like, if you don't have a past and you don't have. The, the bounty of life experience to think of and to interpret. Yeah. Then what do you – like where does your head exist during the day? Like what are you actually thinking of when you're thinking? Mm. Because like all thoughts are like – have a precedent, right? They, 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 they have like the entirety of your life that has driven you toward those thoughts. Yes. So to like now reconstruct without that scaffolding seems – like a very um strange problem it's a unique problem and i don't know like i don't know how you could you could do it i remember watching like a special or something on a guy that had amnesia once on tv and he was talking about like uh i don't know if his memory eventually came back but there was stuff in there about like people like would show him like um a record or something and it would be like oh he heard the beatles for the first time when he was 40 something it's like it was remarkable mm. because he he like enjoyed it so much. he just like was hit with this sense of joy and it's like i don't remember the first time that i heard basically anything
0: a thing that i hear a lot like i have friends who say this about video games and i know that people have said this about like movies and tv shows or whatever but like oh man what i wouldn't give to be able to experience that for the first time but like there's a certain thing where there's like there's the element of discovery you're like Oh, this thing rules. Like nobody uh-huh. knows about it yet. But then there's also like this thing like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing like, like I'm watching Mad Men for what i not currently, but like when I watch Mad Men, it'll be for the first time in its entirety. But it's also like, there's been all this stuff that's built up about it. So it's not really for the first time. Cause I know that like cultural references, like you can't really go in fully blind or what I like That's, it's such a, you know, remarkable.
1: Yeah. The only time you can discover is. There's very little opportunity for real discovery, like untainted discovery, yeah. Yeah. in this world. And maybe getting your brains knocked out is one way to like establish that. You know, there's that short Chuck Palahniuk short story where they, um, the kids, uh, defibrillate their brains.
0: I don't know if I know that one. Okay, um,
1: and I think it's called Zombie or something like that. Okay, and and they do it because it's like the only way to clear the air in their head. Right, they give their brains an electric shock, and then they're like in bliss for a short period of time because they don't have the way they don't experience thought they don't experience the weight of the world because they've had their their those thoughts shocked out of Hmm. their brains um i think that's how it goes i don't i don't remember that well but and it's like i think that there's some there's some joy to be had in the idea of like discarding an entire past like you have the character is her name judy Yes. The character who's Judy like... Judy Fitzgibbons. Who's like, I would like to... Because I was thinking Judy Poovey. Like, right. She, she's a character that's like, I would like to. like. There, w- what I wouldn't give to forget some of the things that I've... Like, she's the one who starts the shit at the party, right? Yeah. You're talking about? She, yeah. She's like, would you remember me if I threw this drink in your face? And he's, he's like, like, yeah, he's, please don't. He's like, don't do that. And then she does and he ends up... In,
0: well, I think that's also like... That's a great scene, by the way. That's, it is a great scene. What he tries to do at the end is I think what like a lot of people do, but I think you can never actually successfully do is like... I'm going to move to a new city where no one knows me. I'm going to start a new life. I'm going to be a new person. Mm -hmm. But like you're still the same person. You're just in a different situation. Yeah. And he sort of does that here, but he's still the same person, even if that person is like someone without memory. Like he's kind of like a blank slate, but he's not like he's 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 kind of starting over but not entirely. Like, I don't think you can ever really do that. Like he can kind of do that here. It's a weird kind of thing. It's like, cause the dream, whether it's like, you know, just the, the wipe your memories going to be able to experience things for the first time or just like a total fresh start, I think is always going to be impossible. And like, he can kind of do it, but even he who is a blank slate can't really do it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's like a fascinating thought experiment,
0: but the INZB summary, when New York actor, Paul Cole is beaten and left for dead in 1950s, Ohio, he loses his memory and finds himself stranded in a mysterious small town where he struggles to get back home and reclaim what he's lost. So yeah, it it's still accurate. it's still 1950s Ohio. That was the point, yeah. right? That's not like yeah. So
1: then you end up, I think, with either race blind casting or a movie that ends up being at least partially about
0: race. Yeah, which is not again not mentioned at all yes. in this. Did you think the ending was sad?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Right? Yeah, because you're, you're part of. Again, like not to beat a dead horse about like the building of expectations and then subverting them. But like one of the things that you expect is sort of like a tearful reunion with Edna.
0: Yeah. But the second that – Although I thought when he goes back she'd be like, no, you left. Like I I thought they were going to get back together but that she would not take him back.
1: The second that his agent – Tells him Deerville, because she doesn't know what the town he ends up in. She doesn't know that he took a took right, a right, bus. Right, right, right. Like the second that she says said that, I was like, oh, okay, I know. I kind of know what's going to happen here. I
0: know he's right. not he's not going to be able to find that town. Like I don't think there's going to be a happy ending here unless
1: that cop tells him that it, he went to Jeffords, which you you know because like the cop knows that he went to Jeffords. Right. So,
0: but he doesn't. He never talks to a cop in that in Deerford. He doesn't. He doesn't end up
1: talking to the same guy co- you, you think that he's going to it's another expectation subverted right you think that he's because mm-hmm. you keep thinking that these connections are going to get made but the connections right are never made which is uh thematically linked to him never making any connections like, right in in his
0: head yes because i think even if he gets back to jeffords and ed turns him down he'll still be happy at the tannery with the malloys like he's got other things going on even if he doesn't really remember them right but like mm-hmm. To start over all together, it's just like a different, it's like a, I think what was saddest to me was that it was like an unexpected sad ending. It was just like, oh. Yeah.
1: This is his life. He's going to.
0: Yeah. He's just like, I'll just start here now, I guess. Might be haunted for the, for the rest of time. Even though he seems kind of happy. Yeah. If only because he's not in New York anymore. hmm But I don't know. So the only thing we know about the casting, we have Duke Johnson, we have some guy that what was, the, what was the guy's name who we were trying i'm trying to google before steven cooney um go wrote with duke johnson we got Gemma chan as edna andre holland as paul and then we got a bunch of people like i know like tracy ullman probably we we're saying maybe as the agent toby jones someone as someone like I, I know a couple of these actors but i don't know who they're playing because they don't have nothing's yeah. filled in yet it's the same thing with like zone adventures we're like there are actors in here we don't know who they're mm-hmm. playing Is there anything you want to talk about with the book or the adaptation? Well, I'm I'm
1: interested in the ways in which the adaptation might like visually depict the law because like losing memory is something that I think could be fairly easily depicted on the page. Mm -hmm. It's a much, much harder thing to depict visually. You you can't do the same thing that Memento did because Memento has already done that and you don't want your movie just to be like – you don't want everyone to go, oh, this movie is just like Memento. Right. Um, especially why, because
0: Memento is a really good movie. Yes. So you know it's hard to. Which is why I was like, "Do you think Christopher Nolan's read this?" You're like, "Well, it came out after." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, it came well." Out in 2010. Yeah. So. No. Doesn't didn't impact. Although he did
1: steal Inception from that Scrooge McDuck cartoon. Really? Comic strip. Yeah. I you don't know, know about, about that. that. No, I don't think so. I'll send you a link to it later.
0: Uh, we have an email address lottery at cageclub.me. You can write in about this book or any book, and we'll read it on the next episode. Even though the next episode for you is not the. No, the next episode for you is the next one we're doing, but I don't – whatever. Uh, yeah, Doesn't I don't matter. get them
1: confused with timeline or convoluted It's time
0: always – It's even when I'm like, oh, we're ahead, we're behind, whatever, it's always the pre-taped call show. Yeah. Meg's reaction to memory. My first reaction, she writes, when I finished this novel, was that Tulsa would love it. It hit all the check boxes. Mm-hmm. It was boring. <laughs> it had a non-ending. It lends itself well reading through a Marxist lens. Uh, yeah, sure. I could go on, but I won't. Uh-huh. I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did, but the ending was a like a punch to the gut. I liked the mundanity of it, but God, I will be haunted by the metal plate. I'm curious what your guesses are, but I thought the metal plate was maybe put in his head as a result of the time in the army. And removal of the plate was actually what caused his memory issues. Huh. I, I just think
1: the metal plate is the thing that he thinks it is. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't interpreting it like that because I think that the book doesn't lend itself toward um, dramatic interpretation. I think, yeah. it, I think it lends itself to literal interpretation, which is like that boredom non-ending stuff. It would also be wild
0: to be beat up by the husband of the woman you're sleeping with. You go to the hospital, the doctors take a metal plate out of your head and then don't mention yeah. it.
1: Or they mention it and he doesn't remember. I mean, that's, you know.
0: But still, I think like we're told, like he doesn't remember, but we're told all these details. So like it'd be weird to start... Uh.
1: It does start in a very strange way where he's like, I forgot like one of the first lines is like, he's talking about the mouth of the nurse or something like that. And it's like kind of scary. And you think that it's going to continue in this like sort of not psychedelic, but like um, this space where his, his like uh, ability to interpret reality is like an assault on him. Yeah. Um, and, and then it moves very quickly away from that. Strange.
0: Yeah. Again, another like not false start or not like, unfulfilled thing it's just like a different thing that isn't paid off whatever but yeah i think the metal plate is just the metal plate that they use to get his
1: fingerprints off of to make sure that they had a record of him in the town
0: egg says the very beginning of the novel when you go abruptly from reading about the chair being pointed at you to waking up in the hospital was genius i had to start the book over because it was so disorienting but it was a very satisfying transition for what it is when cole C-O-L-E And then she puts in parentheses K-O-H-L question mark I listened to the audiobook So I don't know Even though I think even if you're listening When he spells the last name
1: He gives he gives Cole K-O-H-L As a fake And he gives the uh, wrong address as, as a fake spelling of the last name Because so like, like I don't uh, want you to follow me But I could see how listening to that Instead of Yeah it could be confusing yes.
0: Went to the wrong town at the end. For a second, I thought he was gonna end up in a terrible accident. and was gonna end with the same lines as the beginning. Even though if it did happen, it wouldn't have made any sense. No,
1: I was thinking that too. I was thinking that there could be any moment here where uh we end up in a in a sort of cause you know how like um inside Lumen Davis kind of does that? Like the movie ends with him collecting the cat. Like he ends up staying at the house with yeah. the cat. And so the movie is a loop. Yes. Yeah, like I thought I thought it could end up being that that sort of and I I and again. It wouldn't surprise me if the movie did something like that, especially because, like, Duke Johnson is is Charlie Kaufman adjacent and Charlie Kaufman is going to fuck with structure in exactly that way. So, it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me because one thing that I am worried about with the movie is the depiction of, of of memory. And I don't know. I think you have to find some structural or visual way to show that. And it would probably end up being something close to what Charlie Kaufman and Michelle Gondry did in Eternal Sunshine or how some of this stuff comes across in I'm Thinking of Ending things. I, I think it's hard to it's it's hard to use memory as a visual component of a, of a thing. Right. And so like I'm I'm interested in seeing how that is displayed.
0: Because I was thinking it also like tonally kind of feels like how that movie could feel too, where it's like disorienting and jarring Mm -hmm. and isolating. Because like one of the things, I don't think I mentioned this particular descriptor. I was like, I was thinking it almost feels like less like a man with memory loss as opposed to like an alien trying to like integrate into society kind of. Where it's just like he's trying to figure out the rules of things and you're not sure if, oh, that was another thing. Because it was both like, I'm thinking of anything things, but also a little bit like under the skin where it's like you're, you're, you're passing as one thing, but inside you're something completely different. And it feels like, I don't know whether or not I can believe this, what this person is saying, mm-hmm. but I have to take them at their word because I have literally no other option. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm thinking of any things and also under the skin, but I was also thinking about under the skin because the Jonathan Glazer and we did mm-hmm. sort of interest, whatever. Then I was just like, "Is it weird that I keep, or is it lazy it's that lazy, I keep yeah. that I keep referring to the same?" No, but one we have movie? the
1: same. I mean, we. I, I think it's like, I I am the same way. We have the same like sort of things that we idealize, and so when we think of these, we think of like the ideal versions in our head, yeah. and that would match up with the
0: idealized text. And yeah. I also think that I'm thinking about the things. The movie is a really good example of how to take a book and make a better movie out of it.
1: Yeah, take and 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 like um, push the themes beyond like yeah. the, the way that they were explored in the yes. book, which is what I would want from this. Because, like Meg says, I think this book is boring and has a non-ending. And
0: that, I don't think it's boring. I think it's like I wasn't. I was never bored reading it. Like there have been other books that, like, yeah, I think have been better that I was was more bored by. I uh. think this is very to use your word that you said leading up to it, like maybe on this episode, but like propulsive. Like it do, it it moves. Yeah,
1: you think is it like it's got
0: a real engine behind it? I. I think so cuz like I think we haven't done very many mystery books right. for this. Like we've done we've done like like Eileen is a mystery, but like it's not like a, like this is like a mystery book. Like this is like a mystery like who done it kind of, right? And we never get there, but like for most of it, you're like we're going to get an answer. Like I want to I want to keep like I want to tear through to get to the ending and just like oh there is no ending. Yeah, it's just uh, but it's written in the way that like keep going going to pay off. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of like like I like that it's not mean or cruel, but like, like it's pranking us a little bit. I like that about I it. I like it too.
1: I mean, this is what I've been talking about the whole time.
0: Yeah, like, but I, I don't think it's boring. I think it's just yeah. like it's, it's subverting. It feels weird that this can't. I, I I know you mentioned this earlier. You also mentioned in the car before, but like, it's weird that this was written in the '60s. Like, it feels like you would write this in response to having read everything from the 60s or whatever. Like To yeah. write about it in the time is like, this is ahead of its time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and it being ahead of its time is probably why I got put on a shelf yeah, for, right. for
0: 50 years. Your kids are going to love it. This book reminded me, Egg says, of the green golf ball joke. I was going to retell it on my email in case you don't know what I was talking about, but I feel it's more the spirit of the novel if I don't do that. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. All in all, a fun little novel. I don't know what the green golf ball joke is. You know the welder joke? Have I told you the welder joke? Once upon a time, there was a young boy, and this young boy was having, I don't know the welder joke, was having his 10th birthday. His father, I think I know this, but I don't remember how it is. His father, thinking that it was an important day for the young lad, said to him, you can have anything you want for your birthday. He finally says, Dad, I want a green golf ball. The man was surprised a bit, but decided to humor his son. The boy received one green golf ball. On his 13th birthday, father once again said, you can have whatever you want. He said, Dad, I want 10 green golf balls. Now the father was slightly curious. He almost asked why, but then he decided it was just about youthfulness and left it at that. Graduating high school, same offer. Says, Dad, I want 100 green golf balls. Now the father's very curious. He asked his son, finally, why you wanted the balls? The boy just said, Dad, it's a secret. Father backed down. Boy got his balls. When he graduated college, his father once again offered anything he wanted. Boy says, Dad, I want 1,000 green golf balls. Father decided the boy knew how to save his, knew how to live his life, but he still he asked, why, son, why do you want these green golf balls? And he says, it's a secret, dad. Then came the war and the boy volunteered himself for his country. And when he came back in one piece, his father said, son, I'll get you anything you want. He says, dad, I want 10,000 green golf balls. Father could not hold back his question any longer. Why? Why, son? Why do you need these green golf balls? Said, so, dad, now I told you it was a secret. Please don't make me tell you. Boy got married father walked up to him and offered him anything he wants on the choice occasion. This guy is like, you got to have a different question at this certain, you know what I mean? But whatever.
1: Stop asking, stop offering him anything he wants. Say, son, I'm going to buy you a car. Yeah.
0: Boy thought and thought and thought and said, dad, I want 100,000 green golf balls. The father, keeping calm, asked why. Why the boy wanted so many green golf balls. All the boy could do was look at his father and say, it's a secret. Then tragedy struck. It was a car accident. Boy was mortally injured. Father went to see his son in his final hour. He asked the son if there's anything he could get him. The son said, father, please give me a thousand, a million green golf balls. Father almost wept. He said, son, please tell me why you want these green golf balls. He said, all right, dad. And then he died. That's the joke? That's the joke. All right. Now, you,
1: you tell me if you think the welder joke is funnier.
0: In Reddit, our jokes has twenty one upvotes in nine years. People do not like this joke. I've heard this before. You've heard the welder joke before? No, I've heard Oh, the golf this, ball joke. Yeah. Okay. So the welder joke is this
1: there's a little kid and he's at a truck stop and he's got a welder mask and he's hitchhiking. And this guy picks him up, and he gets in the guy's car. The kid's got the welder's mask down on his face. And the guy says to the kid, Hey kid, you ever heard of a hand job? And the kid lifts up his welder mask and he says, no. Puts the welder mask down. They drive about a mile.
0: I think, goes, I think you told me this, but I don't remember the, how it goes. The guy goes,
1: hey, kid, you ever you ever heard of a blowjob? Kid lifts his welder mask up. He says, no. Puts the welder mask down. They keep going a mile. The guy turns to the kid says, listen, kid, you ever heard of fisting? kid lifts the mask up and he goes, look, dude, I'm not a real welder, all right? <laughs> Today's crime is stealing a welder's mask. So open up your morning light and say a little prayer for right You know that if we are to stay alive and see the peace in every eye.